eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven, we give glory to your name for giving us the privilege of life, which we know that we do not deserve. Thank you for your mercies, O Lord. We are gathered here to fellowship with you, and we want to receive power to become sons of God. Grant us of your spirit as we are made to believe more deeply in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Father, put your words in my mouth that I may have utterance to bless those who listen. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him, February 28, the cross of Calvary. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Luke chapter 23 verse 33. The cross of Calvary appeals in power, affording a reason why we should love Christ now and why we should consider him first and best and last in everything. We should take our fitting place in humble penitence at the foot of the cross. We may learn the lessons of meekness and lowliness of mind as we go up to Mount Calvary and Looking upon the cross, see our Saviour in agony, the Son of God dying, the just for the unjust. Behold him who could summon legions of angels to his assistance with one word, a subject of jest and merriment, of reviling and hatred. He gives himself a sacrifice for sin. When reviled, he threatened not. When falsely accused, he opened not his mouth. He prays on the cross for his murderers. He is dying for them. He is paying an infinite price for every one of them. He would not lose one whom he has purchased at so great cost. He gives himself to be smitten and scourged without a murmur. And this uncomplaining victim is the Son of God. His throne is from everlasting, and his kingdom shall have no end. O oh, look upon the cross of Calvary! Behold the royal victim suffering on your account. The Son of God was rejected and despised for our sakes. Can you, in full view of the cross, beholding by the eye of faith the sufferings of Christ, tell your tale of woe, your trials? Can you nurse revenge of your enemies in your heart while the prayer of Christ comes from his pale and quivering lips for his revilers, his murderers? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke chapter 23 verse 34. We must not shrink from the depths of humiliation to which the Son of God submitted in order to raise us from the degradation and bondage of sin to a seat at his right hand. It is high time we devoted the few remaining precious hours of probation to washing our robes of character 
and making them white in the blood of the Lamb, that we may be of that white-robed company who shall stand about the great white throne. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Cross of Calvary. I would like to begin by reminding us of one other reason why we are going through this devotion titled That I May Know Him. Ages page 83 paragraph 4 it says, It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones. As we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us, our confidence in him will be more constant, our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. If we will be saved at last, we must learn the lesson of penitence and humiliation at the foot of the cross. End of quote. Amen. And this is what we have been doing as we've been going through this devotion since we started. We have been taking point by point the life of Christ. We have not gone through every point, but that's the whole point of this devotion. It is to know God, to know Jesus Christ, that we may have life. So what lesson can we learn today from the theme of redemption as we look at the life of Christ? We are going to be looking at the closing scenes for the next few days. We've already started that some days before. And we want to learn lessons, hoping by the grace of God that our confidence in Him will be more constant. Our love for Him will grow and we will be imbued with His Spirit. In the first paragraph of this devotion, there was a writing there that I may know him, page 65, paragraph 2, that said, The cross of Calvary appeals in power, affording a reason why we should love Christ now and why we should consider him first and best and last in everything. Amen. So, we want to look at what it means to love God. You know, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The heart means the affections. As we behold the cross of Calvary, our emotions are supposed to be called out. It's not just a mere love that shows itself in saying, Okay, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and there I go to keep the Lord's commandments. No, our emotions are supposed to be involved. There's supposed to be not just a love shown in obedience, but a love shown in giving all your affections to Him. There should be called out the emotion of pity, the emotion of compassion, the emotion of empathy as we behold our God crucified, shamed on the cross of Calvary. And it should cause rejoicing and weeping at the same time. Why? Because we understand what he is passing through for our sakes. The reading continues to say we should take our fitting place in humble penitence at the foot of the cross. And when we do that, what we will learn? It says we may learn the lessons of meekness and lowliness of mind as we go up to Mount Calvary. 
and looking upon the cross, see our Savior in agony, the Son of God dying, the just for the unjust. And this uncomplaining victim is the Son of God. The emotions that ought to be called out is an emotion of gratitude, thankfulness and appreciation. And I want to read something that shows how our emotions ought to be involved. That's a story, the story of the ten lepers. And see how Jesus responds to one who is thankful. Luke 17 from verse 11 down to 19 says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They didn't come close because they were lepers. They stood afar off. And they shouted, it says, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They were pleading for mercy. They were not asking for what they deserved. And this is what we should be pleading for, mercy. They stood afar off. They didn't want to come close. They had faith that Jesus could heal them even without touching them. That's faith there. And it says in verse 14, And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Oh my, this is beautiful. Take note of the distance. They stood afar off. They had faith. They requested and Jesus said, just go and show yourself to the priest. And as they turned to go, the next thing, they looked, they were healed. Now verse 15, it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet. That means he has come to where Jesus is now. Remember they were far. He ran to where Jesus was, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. That is it. Giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that returned. There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy fate has made thee whole. Amen. The emotions of this man is the kind of emotion that we should have. Thankfulness towards God. And we were told in our devotion that the cross of Calvary appeals in power, affording a reason why we should love Christ now, not tomorrow, now, not in the future, now, not an hour later, and why we should consider him first and best and last in everything. But why is it that many do not appreciate what Jesus did on the cross? It's because if you do not see your need, then you will not appreciate what he did. And what is our need? We are in sin, dead in trespasses and sin. Like these lepers, we are leprous in sin. Leprosy is a symbol of sin. It is something that is so gruesome. The people who have it, they are loathsome to look upon. But many who do not have leprosy think that they are fine. But everybody needs Jesus. Everyone. But people look at leprosy like the grossest of sins. And when you are not involved in any kind of sexual sin, you are not a murderer, 
you are not somebody who is uh, in the lgbtq lifestyle you've not committed the sin of abortion your mind you've not killed anybody there's a tendency to think that you are good i go to church i'm i participate in many activities and you feel you do not feel your need for jesus and because you do not feel your need the cross does not call out love from you you don't put jesus first and best and last in everything and you don't see the reason to love him today now but if we understood our sins and what it had done and what it is doing in us we would appreciate jesus it was just a fruit that adam and eve ate nothing more and the woe brought came upon this world through sin we are doing even much worse things than that but our conscience does not awaken to tell us you have sinned why because our conscience is dead adam and eve by eating what they were told not to eat realized their condition many of us have not realized our condition how can we be thankful how when we do not know what jesus has done i want to read something that tells us how our emotions should be expressed when we understand what was done for us on the cross of calvary testimonies volume 2 page 212 paragraph 1 to 3 it says when men and women can more fully comprehend the magnitude of the great sacrifice which was made by the majesty of heaven in dying in man's stead then will the plan of salvation be magnified and reflections of calvary will awaken tender sacred and lively emotions in the christian's heart praises to god and the lamb will be in their hearts and upon their lips pride and self-esteem cannot flourish in the hearts that keep fresh in memory the scenes of calvary so it's not just thankfulness but even your pride when you see someone the creator of heaven and earth subjecting himself to be used abused shamed embarrassed on the cross you will not feel that no one can talk to me this way nobody should do this or that to me or you will not be afraid of obeying god even though you realize that obedience is going to bring shame to you it says their pride and self-esteem cannot flourish in the heart that keeps fresh in memory the sins of calvary so if we sometimes feel proud just think of the cross and realize that you are not bigger greater superior more worthy more righteous than that man on the cross and if jesus could be treated that way then who am i if jesus could be treated so shamefully then who are you pride and self-esteem cannot flourish continuing the reading it says this world will appear of but little value to those who appreciate the great price of man's redemption the precious blood of god's dear son all the riches of the world are not of sufficient value to redeem one perishing soul who can measure the love christ felt for a lost world as he hung upon the cross suffering for the sins of guilty men this love was immeasurable infinite infinite so what else happens as we behold as we look at the cross the cross of calvary we have seen that it ought to call out lively emotions that's one secondly our pride and self-esteem should be laid in the dust instead we should be meek and lowly and thirdly we would realize that the things of this world will will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace 
the things of this world, its riches, the value that people place on it, we will not place such value. The world will appear to have little value to you. And what is the thought process? How do you come from? Before coming to the cross, I value a lot of things in the world. I value my reputation. I value my possessions and I value my life and I see myself as something. And then after seeing the cross, I don't value those things. What happens when before coming to the cross, I value these things? After looking at the cross, I don't anymore. What happens is that as you see the person on the cross, the Lord Jesus, creator of heaven and earth, and realize that the world and all it and everything it has to afford us is nothing compared to what Jesus had. He is the owner of the universe. He is the one that created heavens and earth. And yet he left that same thing you are holding on to, to come down to this earth and live a life of poverty and allowed himself to be abused, misused, embarrassed, shamed and crucified on the cross. And you realize that what is it I'm holding on to then? Why am I holding on to these things when somebody who had even more than that left them so that he can come and die for my sins? And then you now start to prize him more than the things of this earth. They will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. When you look at his character, when you look at the meekness, the lowliness of one who could command angels to come to his aid but yet for the sake of dying for your sins he refused to do that for the sake of redeeming you and giving you life because you were lost because if you don't realize that you are a sinner and there's a death sentence on you how can you appreciate the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross when you when you don't realize that he took the cup of wrath from your lips and gave you a cup of blessing if you don't see that while looking at the cross the things of this world will not grow strangely dim to you. You will still value it because you don't see what Jesus did for you. But as long as you see it, you would say like Paul that all things of this world, you count them but dung and you don't value them anymore that you may know Jesus, that you may have the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You appreciate him so much that you will not let these things come between you and him. You will not hold on to any riches, any possession, if only that you may know him. You will consecrate everything you own and have to him. Continuing the reading, it says, Christ has shown, by the way, all I just described now, I'm trying to explain the process I, and I know I have not explained it fully and deeply but this is what happens when before coming to the cross you value the things of the world but after you will behold the cross and remember the cross of Calvary when we say the cross of Calvary it's not just imagining in your head Jesus dying on the cross no it is the experience that Jesus passed through from Gethsemane to his crucifixion that is what we mean by the cross of Calvary the experience that Jesus passed through on our behalf from Gethsemane to the cross of Calvary and basically you can see the whole life of Christ while he was here on earth but especially the last scenes though that is what we are referring to as the cross of Calvary and when you contemplate that all this he passed through all the suffering was for you because there was a death sentence on you why then do you still hold on to the things of the world continuing the reading it says Christ has shown that his love was stronger than death 
he was accomplishing man's salvation, and although he had the most fearful conflict with the powers of darkness, yet amid it all his love grew stronger and stronger. He endured the hiding of his father's countenance until he was led to exclaim in bitterness of his soul, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His arm brought salvation. The price was paid to purchase the redemption of man. When in the last struggle, he, the blessed words were uttered, which seemed to resound through creation, it is finished. Now the lesson. Many who profess to be Christians become excited over worldly enterprises, and their interest is awakened for new and exciting amusements. While they are cold-hearted, and appear as if frozen in the course of God. Here is a theme, poor formalist, which is of sufficient importance to excite you. Eternal interests are here involved. Upon this theme, it is sin to be calm and unimpassioned. The sins of Calvary call for the deepest emotion. Upon the subject, Upon this subject, you will be excusable if you manifest enthusiasm that Christ, so excellent, so, in, so innocent, should suffer such a painful death, bearing the weight of the sins of the world, our thoughts and imagination, and imaginations can never fully comprehend the length, the breadth, the height, the depth of such amazing love we cannot fathom. The contemplation of the matchless depths of a Savior's love should fill the mind, touch and melt the soul, refine and elevate the affections and completely transform the whole character. The language of the Apostle is, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We also may look toward Calvary and exclaim, God forbid! that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Amen. I hope these words touch your heart. You may say to yourself, I don't feel these emotions when I think of Jesus. And for many, many, many Christians, that is the case. We still are excited at the thought of worldly enterprises, but then, when we talk about Jesus, we go cold. We, we are ready to give so much money, effort, time, our mind, our strength into many things of the world. But sadly, when called to do service for Jesus, to go and talk about him, to go and preach about him, to live a life in harmony with his will, showing that you love him, many grow cold. They are not willing to make sacrifices for him. And the reading said, here is something that should excite you, poor formalist, which is of sufficient importance. Your eternal life was at stake here. The worldly things, your life, your eternal life is not at stake. But in this case of Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary, our eternal life is at stake. And that is why we should be excited about it. And like we read, upon this subject, all of us will be excusable if we manifest enthusiasm. We shouldn't be cold about it when we think that the Lord 
God of heaven and earth died on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Love is to be called out. All our affection is to be given to him. We are to give praise to him, not just in singing beautiful songs, while that is acceptable, but you know that those songs mean nothing to Jesus if you are not keeping his commandments. You cannot continue in a life of sin while saying, I love you, Lord. We cannot continue to do the things that cost his death while saying, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. We cannot, if we have really taken time to meditate upon the cross, continue to disregard the littlest of his commandments and yet say our emotions are called out. Because those emotions will not be genuine if they are not leading you to avoid the things that caused him the pain. It was, the, it was our sins that crushed him on the cross. It was not the crucifixion itself, but what killed him was our sins. And if you won't have an appreciation of what he did for us, that he saved us, he rescued us from our sins, we are about to die. We, were, we had a death sentence on us. We are just living life here like a flower and after some minutes we fade away and we die. Whether you get to old age or not, it's still the same thing. But Jesus made it's possible for have for us to have eternal life. He's our rescuer. He's our redeemer. Should we not be thankful to him that rescued us? I mentioned something about animals before. Animals are usually never trusting of humans. They have received so much ill treatment that they find it hard to confide in us. So they will always run from humans except for one thing, when they need help. When in need, they cast away all fear, some of them, and they cry for help. But there are others who, even when they are in need, they are still afraid of humans who approach them to help them. The poor creatures, they think little of us, and rightly so. They think we are up to no good and are only coming to take advantage of their vulnerability when they are in a strait, when they are in a difficult situation. And this is usually the case. So they are very, very mistrusting of human beings. But there is something we can learn from animals of how to show love and how to respond to love. Remember what we read at the beginning of this devotion, talking about dwelling on the closing scenes of Christ's history and the result? One of the results is that we will have confidence in him and to be our confidence will be more constant. And the second one is that our love will be quickened. I want to talk about that part of confidence being constant, using the animals as an example. You can check some of these stories I'm about to tell. A lion called Juniper that worked for some people who used to use it for circus. They abused that lion and left it. They didn't treat it as they should. They left it to die. But there was a woman called Anna Torres who saw that dying lion, took that lion and took cared for it until it survived. Later on, she let the lion go and some people who take care of lions kept it, not necessarily in a zoo, but in a, in a park where it can stay. Some years later, Anna Torres came years later to that place. This huge lion saw her and ran, ran with joy to meet her and gave her a big hug. He had not forgotten his rescuer. Take note of that word, his rescuer. Whenever I read these stories online or listen to it, they use the word rescuer a lot. And whenever I hear that word rescuer, I remember Jesus. 
and I compare these animals with their rescuer as myself and Jesus and I see the emotion expressed by these animals, a big lion that's supposed to be vicious. They have usually mistrusting but now because of what was done by their, by their rescuer, by this woman and Torres, they, are, they have cast off all fear, they have confidence, they embrace. Another story of a swan that was rescued. If you know what a swan is, a swan, they are very vicious. You don't go close to them. They will always fight you. But there was this swan that was caught up in a fence. And somebody came and rescued the swan. Swans are hostile. Instead of this swan to be hostile, what did the swan do? He, you know, they, are, they have very long necks. The swan wrapped his neck around the neck of the man and opened his wings and hugged the man. Years later, when that same person came, the swan recognized the person and ran with speed and great emotion, met the person, opened the wings and did the same thing, a hug. They know their rescuers. And there's another story of a deer that was rescued by an elderly woman in Norway. The deer always showed up. After that woman rescued this deer because she was about to die, the deer always showed up to her window twice a day. And he would remain in that window and would not leave until the woman gives him something to eat. Now you would say, why does it stay there? Confidence. The fact that you will save me means that you love me and I can't come to you. I know you love me. This is what we should have for Jesus. In seeing he died on the cross of Calvary for our sins, we should have confidence in him and not be afraid of him, thinking that he has bad plans for us. We should do what he asks us to do knowing that he who will die on the cross for us, for our sins, will not have any evil plan for us. There's a story of birds also. You know, birds, they are very sweet animals when you keep them. But the ones that are sweetest are the ones that are rescued. They, it's a consistent thing that when you rescue a bird, you save them. They are always appreciative. A man saved a whole nest of baby chicks. I saw this on this video. These chicks would have died. He took care of them. He adopted them. When he tried releasing them, they refused to go. As he op opens his hand and throws them into the air for them to fly, they will fly into the air and then they will come back and stay on his shoulders. They go nowhere. They follow him everywhere. They, they look at him as their nest. The man himself. How about looking at Jesus as your nest? Like these birds. As they fly, they don't go away. As he releases them, they come back to his shoulders. They stay in the house with his family. And when he's not around... They are with the rest of the family. There's another beautiful story of a squirrel named Bella. The squirrel was saved from an owl that was about to kill it. After six months treatment, it was released into the wild. But do you know what the squirrel did? The squirrel kept visiting that home, that family for eight good years non-stop. Confidence had been built confidence had been built these examples these examples of these animals there are more and more we may tell some later very interesting ones keep them for other studies but these stories tell me how i should respond in confidence to my lord jesus for what he has done for me in the cross jesus was performing a rescue attempt on you and me could it be that we are less grateful than these animals could it be that the senses of these animals are more sensitive to their rescuer and their salvation from a life that they are still going to die after some time? 
We, it is eternal life that was secured for us on the cross. But these animals, they will still perish. But yet they are more thankful. Jesus secured life eternal for us. Should we not be more grateful? We are told the cross of Calvary appeals in power, affording a reason why we should love Christ now and why we should consider him first and best and last in everything, not some things. Put him first before your family. Put Jesus first before your job. Put Jesus first before your friends and before yourself. What does that mean? So myself, I want this. My flesh is craving for something that is not good. But Jesus says, this is what caused my death on the cross of Calvary. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I damn my feelings. I say to my feelings, away with you. I count my feelings but dung and I say, I choose Jesus. I put him first before myself. And I may have my plans and my ambitions. But I see that Jesus is in need of laborers who will preach the gospel. And I say I drop my plans and I put Jesus first. As far as I see that this is where he wants me to go, I'll go where he wants me to go. My family may say to me, we will not be in good relations if you keep doing what the Lord asks you to do. If you keep being so religious, if you keep saying, oh, you will not follow us to the movies. If you keep saying, oh, you will not join us in conversations that you say are wrong. And I'll say then, if you love Jesus, I'll put Jesus first before my family. If this is going to divide my family, so be it. If Jesus following him and keeping his commandments and doing the things that please him will divide my family, yes, let my family go. I put him first. If my wife or my husband says that you are bringing a friction with this your Jesus, so be it. Let the friction remain. Either you join me in following Jesus or we divide. No problem. I have to put him first because you, my husband, you, my wife, my mother, my sister, my brother, my friend, you did not die for me. You cannot save me from the evil habits that have held me bound. Pride is flourishing in my heart, but Jesus, he saved me from pride. He's my rescuer. How then should I put you first before him? How then can I put you first, my job, my boss? How should I put you first when there is someone who has done something greater for me than you can ever do? You do not even have the capacity, even if you love me, mommy and daddy, husband, wife, even if you love me so much that you want to save me, you do not even have the capacity to do so. Should I put you first in my life then? No. Jesus has to come first. Don't let your heart be hard. So let it be softened by the cross of Calvary. And this soften, softening is not just about singing songs and raising hands in church and feeling emotional. No, that's not pure emotion. If it was a pure emotion like that man who was healed of his leprosy and like many others who have appreciated what Jesus did, there will be a transformation of the life. Not just lip service, saying, Lord, Lord, but yet not doing the things he asks us to do. Jesus is asking you, who is doing that? Luke 6 verse 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Transit from just singing those sweet songs. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. You, you are all to me and all those flowery words. Transit from there and go further into doing all that he said. Keep his commandments. Show that you love him. May the Lord give us grace to do all that. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for giving us the opportunity to 
look at the cross of Calvary. Your word says we should take a thoughtful hour. We've just spent only about 40 minutes now in contemplating these things. I pray, Lord, for your children who are listening, for myself, that we will spend the remaining minutes still thinking about these things. And may we be transformed. May our confidence in you become more constant. May our love for you be quickened. And may we be imbued with the Spirit of Christ as we contemplate these things in Jesus' name. I prayed. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org or contact info at stars.org